Hello, and thank you for joining me for this third episode in our board performance case study series. Hi, I'm Yvonne Kaffick, and in this episode of the Board Checkup, we focus on the case for board performance assessment to prevent child abuse in New York State. I'm joined with Mr. Timothy Hathaway, Executive Director of Prevent Child Abuse New York, Dr. Vincent Pelusi, Board Chair, and Mr. Zakhar Berkovich, Treasurer. All share their experience with the practice of performance assessment and how it has helped the board and staff work more collaboratively as a team to build strong families and communities in New York State. In this episode, there's some powerful exchanges and information shared. Information about the mission and characteristics of the organization and board. Challenges of governing a statewide organization and the mixed model board that works collaboratively with staff in planning and implementing policy. We also talk about the importance of leaning into those challenges and deciding change in the board and aligning those changes with strategy. They elaborate on the process of self-assessing performance using technology, the involvement of staff in the process and the impact that it had on the board and leadership of the organization. And finally, advice for boards and those who work with boards to explore ways to improve board governance and leadership practice. Following the interview, I reflect on the lessons learned from the experience of the, of the board and organization of Prevent Child Abuse New York with the practice and the elements that I believe make this another great board love story. So I want to welcome you uh, this afternoon and we are joined with the executive director Timothy Hathaway, Hathaway from Prevent Child Abuse New York. We have Dr. Vincent Pelosi and he is the board chair and we also have board member Zakhar Berkovich joining us today to talk about board performance assessment and the impact of it on your organization and your board. So I'll just um, uh, start with, um, talk to us a little bit about uh, Prevent Child Abuse New York. And, um, and just so we get a better understanding of the context in which you work and the environment. Absolutely, I, and I'll lead out, but um, won't have the final word, maybe how about that? So um, again, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's, it's a pleasure to chat with you as well. Uh, Prevent Child Abuse has been around since uh, 1980. Um, we have always been a not-for-profit, always been a, an organization that is focused on community-based prevention, child abuse prevention. And um, we have as our mission to uh, prevent child abuse in all of its forms in New York State, we really rely on a model um, that is um, about this idea that um, the best way to prevent 
child abuse is to build strong families um, and strong communities. So much of the work that we're doing is uh, follows that line that um, we as a training and technical assistance organization can help communities equip with a variety of tools, um, knowledge, information about prevention work, about um, child abuse and understanding child abuse um, more, more appropriately, more effectively, um, and then helping those communities really put those tools into action. Um, and so um, again, that's, that's about connecting with um, organizations, with individuals um, across the state of New York and then building relationship with them over time um, so that we have um, a basis to be able to go um, back to them, work with them um, ongoing, and have the sort of connection that helps support the work that they're doing in the field. We also do a lot of policy work and that is focused again, no surprise on this idea that um, we need to build strong communities, build strong families. And so when we think about policy agendas, we're thinking about what are the ingredients that help families prosper and thrive and help families protect children. And so we begin to think about um, issues like um, high quality housing, about economic opportunity, about um, things like childcare, about mm -hmm. healthcare. Um, we think um, all the time about the resources that communities and community-based organizations have at their disposal and the understanding that decision makers have about applying prevention solutions at a, at a community level. So we're thinking about educating decision makers. We're thinking about um, pushing forward agendas that really um, build community resource and availability to that resource. So that's kind of our work. That's what we're up to. Um, organizationally, we are, uh, again, a small not-for-profit. Um, we are based in Albany. Uh, and then have staff that are arrayed across the state. In total, right now, um, fully staffed, we're at 20, um, but we have been growing um, kind of slowly over time. Um, and um, that's been uh, a, a good thing for us. I think we've looked at um, new ways to understand our work and that's helped us kind of dip our toe in some additional projects, which have, have led us to um, some great opportunities. Um, our staff um, are, uh, in some ways, you, you know, you'd say we're, we're fairly hierarchical maybe in some ways. So we've got um, myself as executive, we've got um, a set of director level staff that are really, you know, management people who mm -hmm. each have a set of staff that they're working with. Um, and um, so that puts us into, you know, uh, kind of an admin set, uh, programs set, a policy group, and then a um, specific training group as well. So if that helps you get a little bit of a yeah. sense of um, does. who we are. so It, it does. And maybe um, Dr. Pelosi can talk a little bit about the board and the governance and um, some of those characteristics that and how they connect to um, your programming and operations. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting us here today. 
you know, I'm a pediatrician, and so we don't get a lot of education in board governance. My, my training is medical, my training is scientific, but clearly uh, the importance of working with teams to get goals accomplished crosses into something as important as child abuse prevention. I, I mean, one of the things that amazed me when I was asked to join the board now over five years ago was that uh, this board uh, understood the mission and attracted people from a variety of different sectors and different professions with a similar passion, all united to prevent child abuse, just like uh, Mr. Hathaway has talked about on the state level. And so part of our work over the last couple of years has been enlarging that sphere of influence, getting people involved in the board from those professions who deal with children, not just in medicine, but in education, in foster care, in a variety of different family settings. Most recently, we've added people who are parents, who are in many ways the uh, recipients of what we're trying to do, who have joined our board to give us uh, the real feeling for what's going out there as well. These are obviously people who are not just parents, where many of us are parents as well, but they also understand what we do in the field. And putting together a board for an organization that has a statewide focus presents some challenges, I have to give credit to our, our, our last board president, Bill Hayes, who just stepped down, who's been with the, the, the organization since its formation in 1980, who has always strove, strived to put together regional representation. Um, and our state is not necessarily an easy drive across. Uh, we know we've got some miles in there across and, and 80 plus counties and, and different regions. And, I even think different cultures um, to be addressed. I mean, I'm down in New York City. We've got people in what was called North Country. I didn't know we had North Country until Bill told me it was called North Country and people across the state. So we look for diversity in putting together our board geographically, diversity in profession and approach, diversity in, in ethnicity, in race, in gender. And that, that's been a challenge, but we have a growing board now with uh, 11, right, possibly going up to 13 or 14 over the next couple of years with uh, a, an organization which is committee-based, which recognizes the different functions of the organization, approaching everything from fundraising to uh, finance through program uh, and, of, and advocacy as well, in, in addition to other things. And the board functions at the committee level and then gets together uh, quarterly uh, in person, hopefully as this pandemic ends, uh, but also uh, monthly an executive committee charged with day-to-day, uh, -day, if you will, operations, including uh, the, the governance issue that we're talking about. Wonderful. Um, Zakhar, any uh, kind of details about the model of governance uh, your organization uses and um, some, some of those policies perhaps? Well, I also kind of want to say that this, while it's the, the way this organization is set up, we have very uh, knowledgeable and capable staff. So I think the board is able to provide vision and the staff is able to execute. Okay. While at the same time, there's a very good dynamic between the board and the staff and understanding what priorities are. And when the staff brings in important items for discussion, the board takes on possibility of analyzing, thinking through it and working with the staff to make sure that those things are resolved or put forward, you know, 
the pandemic brought a lot of interesting and new questions that the board is mm -hmm. taking on and considering them. Um, but also at the same time, while we're putting policies together, we're also visioning forward. So as, you know, as an example, we started to do a strategic plan, planning on specifically on fundraising. And out of that process, we came up with the idea that we're doing already a lot of education. So the idea maybe generate a new or a, some form of training center could be an opportunity. And that has come as a new project that's kind of starting to evolve over time. Again, it's, it's ability for board to do their job as a planners and, uh, and visions, but the staff is able to execute and provide necessary information. So I think that combination is really important in my experience and in seeing how this organization really works. Great, wonderful. So sticking on the, the policy side and, and working collaboratively uh, to advance uh, your mission. So uh, thank you for sharing that. I think now maybe what we'll get into uh, is around the practice of critically assessing your performance, um, how your board governs. And I'll start with the, the first question is why, what, what was driving that decision? What motivated your board to want to assess its own performance? Hey, Zakar, I can, I can start by saying, you know, as at that point I was a board member and then an officer, uh, my sense was that we needed to evaluate ourselves, not out of any fear of failure, but mm -hmm. rather a sense among the group that we knew that there are things we could do better. And uh, the, the realization among the board members that um, we, we did have certain things we wanted to do as a board to support the organizational structure um, and to support our executive director and the staff. And we, we knew that we needed help to understand certain potential things. I mean, I've been on a number of boards. This is by far the, the best executive director I've ever had and, and some of the most passionate board members I've ever had, yet we knew that we didn't have all the expertise needed to be as successful as we could have been. Okay, okay. So you were really looking to develop um, and, and, and really enhance your performance. I think there was also two kind of prongs as well. So I agree with Vin, Vince's uh, assessment of it, but also we do have some recommendation from the national organization that board does get self-assessed on a regular oh. basis. And okay. once we had, I joined the board and the board started having that conversation. So just so happened to be that the timing worked out really well. And while, you know, we looked at a number of um, platforms or ways to kind of self-assess, uh, in my experience and looking at other uh, metrics, I found that board source was a um, very useful way to kind of holistically look at the board and it wasn't punishing, but it was more kind of really thinking about who we are, what we do and what we don't do and what we can do better. Okay, so you mean the board, the board checkup tool? Board checkup, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, great. Well, let's talk about that, that process that you put in place because self-assessment is something that you do and you design and the checkup is just a tool that you use. So I'm curious about what process um, you put in place around this when you, you initially assessed in 2018. Can you share a little bit about that initial assessment and what kind of process 
you put in place to self-assess your performance. Someone would you like to jump in? Um, yes, I can do that. Um, so I did wanna say just adding to that point about kind of what brought us to the point of, of doing some of that assessment is, is again, there's a leadership quotient that was really important at, at the board level. On the program side of things from the staff perspective, we had made some you know, fairly significant changes in terms of operationalizing our, our mission. So we had shifted away from certain um, strategies and approaches and really were taking on some, some newer approaches. And I honestly, I think that there was some acknowledgement at the board level that, again, timing was really good. I mean, to, to take a look at what, what can the board do to really support the organization moving forward. So that was really helpful. So back to your question that you put to me. So the structures that were put in place, um, we, and I love this. I love to tell this story because um, as an executive director, um, I, I was thinking, oh, well, if we're going to do an assessment, then that's going to mean I'm going to have a bunch more to do. But <laughs> honestly, the board took on the assessment process themselves. And so um, Zakar knew the tool a little bit, which was very helpful. But then um, what he was able to do is really use technology. So a lot of it was kind of administered through technology. Um, there was some information that was provided up front to make sure that we all were baselined and understood what the process was. Um, then um, it was made available to people um, and, and there was um, meeting time, board meeting time in which we discussed um, both before and um, afterwards. We were able to discuss the process a little bit. And I think Zakar remind me, but I think we included staff on the initial, um, so that upper management. yeah, upper management. So that was a part of the process in building it out as well. So I don't know if that gets to what and yeah. the current events may have others to fill in there too. Yeah, just a couple more thoughts on that. I think there was a lot of buy-in from the board already, but prior to doing the self-assessment, which I think was really important. Uh, this way we didn't have to you know, make people do it. We understood the importance of it as a whole. And I think, uh, we give our board about a month and a half to respond. So there was enough time to respond. And there was a number of reminders to make sure that the compliance was there. I think Tim's point is right. We did ask upper management to respond to it as well. And the, the platform was anonymous. So that was useful and helpful. Because I think the board, while we have our own you know, vision to how we want to see it, we also want to check in and make sure that we are in alignment in, a, in the same footsteps with the staff. because. If the staff sees us very differently than we our own self-perception, then I think there's an opportunity for better communication and better kind of realignment. And so as Tim has mentioned, once the results came in, we didn't just file them away and say, okay, we've done it and it's good. Uh, we actually took time during the annual board meeting, discuss them and look at where the points of improvements, uh, where, where we'll disconnect between one or two board members who suggested that the way they approach things maybe was not the way the rest of the board did. And I think there was mostly newer board members who are less 
uh, aware of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was an outcome of it, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but we developed a new board orientation process to make sure that the new board members understood what they were actually responsible for. And then a new fundraising committee was designed because part of the responsibility is that, you know, part of this uh, board membership is to help with fundraising, whether it's vision or actual execution. And then we need to, to understand what it really meant. So I think that um, tool helped us uh, to all understand where we're we going and what we are performing well on and where we're missing marks. Yeah, that, that's real important. And what we, we didn't mention up to this point, which we should mention, is that this board is not just governance and it's not truly only a working board. I've been on both. I think it is a mix of both. And so we, we, we've always deferred to staff and Tim to, to help us to understand what we need to do. But we also, and we don't stand over them and then monitor day to day what they're doing, but rather we, there is a communication back and forth. So we do jump in periodically, like with fundraising, mm -hmm. uh, which can be an activity that is more board specific than for staff. Wonderful. So when you did this and the results surfaced, um, were there any surprises or, and how did, you know, what kind of emerged like in terms of your strengths or things that, um, you know, maybe challenged the board somewhat and, and talk a little bit about that, that the processing and, you know, we're decision-making around those results, if any. I think we will I was pleasantly surprised that we had such a good um, administrative portion of preparation and the communication between the board president and, and the executive director, that it was fairly, you know, folks were on the same page, really understood, you know, preparation for the meetings were good. Um, we did found that the, the fundraising probably was the, the weakest point of even understanding what fundraising really meant for the board. Is it because the majority of our board members are not corporate uh, head, uh, so we don't have as deep pockets, uh, but it doesn't mean that we cannot still support um, and, you know, have an understanding that all board members are expected to support financially and uh, part of the kind of conversations. And I think the other piece was the board orientation that we really wanted to make sure that there was a good process onboarding uh, new members and understanding what the organization looks like. Because when staff works with the programs every day in, day out, the board members may not understand how it works, when grants come in or come out, and where the missing pieces are. So I think that was a useful tool that now has become an annual event. So do you think it helped clear, clear up any confusion or get everybody on the same page um, in, in some respect? From my perspective, yes, because I think when we did our assessment second time, which I'm sure yeah. you'll jump into shortly, yeah. we, we did see, uh, uh, I don't know if significantly, statistically significant improvement, but I think in terms of even our raw scores, we did see, see some increases in understanding of some of these items and improving on even items we were already doing pretty well, but just kind of polishing off some of the items. But I'll turn it over to Tim because he probably saw the biggest change in his interaction with the board prior to the first assessment and, and post-second. Yeah, I, so a point that I think is really critical, the fact that the board was interested in not just 
what I as the executive had to share about this, but wanted really wanted senior staff to weigh in was a stroke of genius on the board's part, honestly, seriously, because I worked in a number of not-for-profits over my career. Um, and I think that that was a moment in the organization and there wasn't, there wasn't bad relation at all between senior staff and the board or staff in general and the boards so that didn't exist. But I think I can point to that moment when we did that assessment and staff were invited in um, that it kind of opened a new dialogue between the staff in general and the board of directors. The boards maintained very, very good boundaries because I think you need some boundaries there. Um, but it also, I think has been exceptional for us because um, our, our senior leadership and, and our staff um, know that they have a board that is behind them, that understands the work, that is really kind of walking right alongside. And, and I think that's a huge payoff that probably doesn't get talked about quite as much. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I, I, Tim, I can give an example that hits home. You know, you've got such amazing leadership staff who in their own right, if I wasn't on the board, I would be trying to work with them to do stuff. It's not just because I'm on the board. And for example, like the advocacy work that's being done by the organization, you know, clearly the people that you have are, are seen as leaders in the state doing this work and have the connections to be successful. So when, when I get a call from one of those people that, that works for you, I, I respond. I know that they're going to be effective and it's not going to be a waste of time. And if I can be helpful, not just as a board person, but as a, a citizen in the state, um, I, I respond. And I, I'm glad that the board members, not just me, feel that way across the organization because we have people doing a lot of different things in program and everything else. And the board members offer their support. Wonderful. Um, I'm just going to switch then. So I have looked at your, your results and you did improve significantly from 2018 to your next assessment was in 2020. And um, so I'm just wondering a little bit about the timing. So you've, you've done two and um, do you think that was the right amount of time between them? Um, you know, what, what really have you learned just about the process itself? Um, obviously involving staff in these assessments, I think growth and collaboration and probably appreciation and maybe even teamwork and chemistry within and morale within your entire organization. I'm sensing that. Um, what about just, you know, how does the board respond to adopting this as a regular practice or not? Or does the board see this? How does the board really see this now um, going forward? I anticipate this will be a fairly regular practice. We are, so let me go back to the first question that you asked. I think the timing was actually pretty decent. Um, we were able to do the assessment understand the, the, the issues and then make some adjustments 
So, and we also had the change of terms. So that allowed us the new board members to come in, some, some board members to step off the board and then reassess. So that allows us to see whether the changes that were implemented or offered actually made any difference. Uh, so that two year time frame, I think was really good to kind of, to think about it. Um, my anticipation, we, we also sign up with board checkup for, for continual membership. So we'll probably doing one more either end of this year, beginning of next year. Obviously COVID is bringing in a different kind of set of issues that we need to be mindful of, but nonetheless, we still need to govern and, and therefore, uh, and make you know, changes. So I think uh, reassessing ourselves in a short time, time from now will be useful to kind of give us feedback on ourselves and see how the board members are doing and, and how we as an organization are doing. Wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, some of those impacts then um, on the board itself from the practice. Um, I know you mentioned fundraising already. Um, you, you haven't really just talked about strategic, you've talked about being engaged in strategic planning, um, but maybe um, any impacts around, around that, because that's an area where, you know, boards um, can struggle, right, around strategic planning and actually executing those. So, um, and, and any impacts on the organization, so on the mission. And um, uh, I know you mentioned uh, a new strategy around training and something that you're you do a lot of education. And so now uh, it sounds like you're exploring that aspect further, but maybe just talk about some of those impacts uh, on the organization and board, um, uh, you know, throughout this. I'll, I'll jump in. Um... So a lot of the things that, that you touched on um, certainly are there. Strategic planning, um, and again, I've been involved in a lot of that work over the course of, of my time here. But I feel like what this organization has adopted at this point um, is a really effective tool um, the strategic plan shows up at meetings being discussed on a regular basis. Um, it's very accessible. Um, part, part of that, I think, is, you know, that, that there's been attention paid. And so I think kind of the assessment process kind of keeps that at the front a little bit and keeps asking that question, where are we at with that? Um, and then leadership has really supported that. Um, so um, I, I do think that there's been some, some payoff in that area. Um, my, um, one of the things that I liked about the assessment process itself is that it brought up a whole string of uh, ideas for the the board to be paying attention to, you know, so, you know, how, how are you doing in this area and that area and this area? And, and in a way, I think it um, primed the pump for the board to begin to look 
a little more holistically across some of those things and think about, okay, so how are we looking at orientation and what does that mean for us and how do we address that as well as a number of other things. I always think, and, and again, we'd have to go back and look at the exact timing, but I think the committee structure that Bill you know, worked really hard to put in place. I, I think that Bill was influenced by kind of this process that we went through a little bit and began to really think a lot more strategically about, oh, okay, so what do we do with this committee structure to get people organized to do the work? So those were, that was rambling a little bit. Maybe. No, no, those are, those are because, um, you know, committees are a big issue that often surfaces in these assessments and, you know, are, are they as effective as they could be? Well, one of the things with the strategic plan and the strategic planning process, which came out of this, was that obviously it's not just something you do and put on the shelf for five years and do another five-year plan. There's, I've, I've seen more active revision and turning back to that strategic plan, not just to tell us what we want to do, but also to assign specific roles of those committees. So, you know, when I was chair of the program committee, I knew that I was tasked with certain things on the strategic plan. And so I better keep my eye on those and that those things might change as we went through, you know, different evaluation processes, working with the executive director and the board. But it was something I had as a guide and that affected other committees as well. Great. So greater connection of governance through these committees. Um, excellent example. With a, with a planning process that came out of the board assessment, but also in, in a board of planning process in conjunction with senior staff. What do you think you learned um, through the process as a board? Were there any kind of big aha moments or, or not? And what, maybe what would you, advice would you give other boards that are considering this? I can't think of any aha moment that came out, but I think um, an advice is, it has to be something that board wants to do. It, you know, if it comes from top down or just, you know, just the president wants yeah. to do it, but nobody else does, it's probably not gonna work well. I think it really needs to be more of a, a holistic approach to it. And I think it's also thinking through what would be the outcome of it, right? So if there are, are you prepared to hear negative response to how you operate and, and take the feedback and really work, you know, implement changes because, it, you know, not be resistant to that, oh, no, we operate really well, that, you know, Obviously, it's always nice to be you know, pat on the back, but really looking at those areas where it requires improvement and see what, you know, because people, the reason why the, the board checkup really works is because if, if, it would work if you really address the issues that are being presented to you and you hear to the feedback that's being put forward. And there was one more thing that I wanted to say. Um, and I would say give time to review the outcomes and 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 then, implement the changes being recommended because the board checkup actually, you know, provides some recommendations of how to address some of the issues that you might see in that, in the, was being come out. We did it ourselves 
you know, we, we allowed committee kind of board governance committee to take the lead on it and implement it. We did not hire any outside consultants to do it, but it also could be helpful. So I don't, it depends on the board, but it could be helpful to have somebody outside come in and recommend, make recommendations. But it also, as long as the board is willing to take the recommendations in, right? It's not, right. Um, because you can always say, oh, they don't know organization. They just came in to do this. But uh, it's really meant to kind of help kind of see through the issues and, and make yourself better. If the idea is to really to, to govern better, then I think this process has a purpose. Let me ask Tim how you felt about being in, in that assessment, your own leadership. And I know, um, Vincent, you're going to be in there as well, because there are items about both the executive director's leadership and the board chair's leadership and their relationship um, as well. So how does it feel um, to be assessed, your own leadership to be assessed? And how, how did you, you know, respond to that at first? Um, um, I, I have to say that um, for me, Honestly, I welcomed it. I, I and so there's there's a level of um, trust. I think you know this organization has kind of said we're going to operate. We're going to use the things that we are trying to sell in the community. How do you build strong people? We're gonna we're gonna apply those principles in this organization. So I think I think there was. I walked into it with this sense of trust that, that the board was looking to improve the work of the organization and that part of their function is to help me and, and provide some guidance to me and say, hey, you know, let's, let's look at this together and how do we make this work more, more effectively? Um, so I really did walk in with, with that sense of this, this can be a very good thing. One of the things that I will say, and maybe this is back to that advice, is that I was worried about the infrastructure of the board. Um, and so I'm telling tales out of school now a little bit, but I was honestly, I was a little worried that what would come out of the assessment that our, that our board, not because they're not effective people at all, but I just didn't, I wasn't sure that we had the infrastructure in place to be able to really get to things. So, you know, that's a mix of leadership, that's a mix of passion and a mix of expertise and all of those kind of things. But, but I think our board was able to effectively use the information they gathered to help them take the next step in the building some infrastructure stuff, so. Wonderful. Yeah, as the, as the board president newly, newly elected, I can tell you that I'm not that very experienced in this and looking to learn more. And so this assessment process, I would, I would see as something to help me grow in the role, but also, and more importantly, to help the organization grow. So I, I'm not afraid as board president of going through the process. You know, we as a board are looking to nurture our board members, as Tim suggested. You know, we want them to be successful doing the various things that they're doing for the board and for the organization. So there's no competition here. There's no uh, backstabbing. There's no actual, you know, 
concern about a negative rating. If someone, you know, rates the board president as having a poor relationship and being ineffective, I, I want to hear that because that's not what I'm in this for. Wonderful. Zakar? Um, just on terms of, you know, board members' comfort with rating those things? Um, I think there was a concern because the way the questions are asked, they were slow down, read the question carefully and answer it. Not just go down the row and just say, strongly agree with everything. We're doing a great job. So I think that brought in some questions in the very beginning. So we, we did kind of or, orientation to and prompt to allow to let board members that they need to read carefully questions. And there was a reason why the questions are phrased mm -hmm. the way they were. Um, and after that was done, I think that the board members did not have particular negative reaction to the survey itself. And I think once the results came in, I think they were excited about opportunity to make changes in a positive way and to make our board stronger. Well, and change is the operative word here because there is a theory of change around it and it is important in the framing of those items. They're directly linked and I'll just share an old uh, process theory of organization by Kurt Lewin, who is known as the practical theorist. Uh, and it's about unfreezing the status quo and surfacing um, dissatisfactions and issues. And when you do that, you tend to talk about them and then you create a new status quo. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. And of course, this has been a study for 11 years and, and going on and we are seeing a lot of empirical support for that theory and this process. So I often spend a lot of time talking to boards about the safety and it, in order for that to work, it does, you did say those words as well. It does have to be safe and confidential so people can give voice, but giving voice is what governance is all about. And so I hope that through this practice, uh, more people are comfortable to give voice because of the issues that you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, in preventing child abuse with such an amazing mission. And I wanna say what an honor it is for me to speak with you today, um, to meet you and um, to be part of this journey in the background. Um, and I will let you know that we do have a another assessment on governance issues. And if you have one around, I've heard COVID, um, you've been deliberating, we can set up an assessment for you since you're a subscriber for free on evaluating how effectively you govern that issue. It's a different instrument. It's done as a self-assessment in much the same way, but we would set that up uh, within the specific um, for the issue itself. Uh, so I just wanna leave that with you. Um, and I wanna thank you all uh, for taking the time out of your busy days to join us today. What can be learned from the experience of Prevent Child Abuse New York with the practice of board performance assessment? Well, like the experience of other boards we've interacted with, there are important lessons from this case. Lesson one, assessing performance must be something that the board wants to do. At the same time, don't let concerns about surfacing potential gaps in performance 
stop the board from learning about those gaps and discussing ways it can improve and develop itself. Lesson two. I think the second lesson here is that the process of assessing performance did result in board learning and development, including the infrastructure that the um, Prevent Child Abuse New York Board needed to lead more effectively and advance the mission. Lesson three, once the decision to assess performance was made, for the board to be clear on the purpose of assessing performance and the outcome achieved. Along with that, being open to feedback and deciding change within the same values and principles that are important to the organization. Lesson four, to think about the assessment of, of uh, board performance holistically. This means being attentive to all of the issues that might emerge in the different areas or dimensions of board effectiveness. And once they do, to think strategically across areas of board responsibility and governance practice. Lesson five, the process helped the Board of Prevent Child Abuse New York, um, in, it helped inform their process of strategic planning. And, and what the board's role and responsibilities in strategic governance were more broadly. Lesson six, the practice also opened up a new dialogue. This was a very powerful segment and a new image that senior management now has of the board. And this is an image of the board walking alongside management in the quest to prevent child abuse in New York State. So what about those elements that make this a great board love story? I found this a really powerful case that the mission was, um, was so powerful and the approach that the board and management took together to advance it collaboratively. And the changes that resulted around that and those relationships both within the organization and then outside of the organization. Clearly, the there were protagonists here in the openness of the board chair and the executive director and the capabilities of the board to facilitate the assessment and to process that feedback. Timing was also an important factor. The board allowed enough time for the assessment of performance, both in collecting data through the technology, discussing results and deciding what to change, and then to allow time for change before reassessing performance. There was some suffering here that emerged um, in the sense that there, through the process, the board became aware that there was a disconnect for some board members who were unclear about their role and responsibilities in governance. And this led to a better match, really a better match already with those on the board in terms of implementing a new board orientation and designing functional roles, including for those members and committees to increase board clarity and contributions. Growth. This board 
completed follow-up assessments and they monitored change in performance, noting where they had improved and developed and where they needed to develop further. Commitment was evident throughout this case and I so enjoyed interacting uh, with, with the board here and, and it just emphasized the need um, uh, for the organization to work in ways that really strengthened itself to strengthen families and communities and the relationships formed around that to advance the mission of preventing child abuse in New York. If you like today's podcast, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe, share it with other boards in your network and leave a review, especially if you liked it. You can also send us um, comments and questions about the board in this case or boards of directors that you would like us to explore in future podcasts. And if you have suggestions for me, please feel free to reach out using the contact information.